Two weeks removed from the season, it is time for our Longhorn Awards Ceremony. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host, my brother, George Corkian. Joining me today, as I mentioned, we are two weeks removed from the season. And so it is time for our season recap via the Longhorn Awards. This is our Longhorn Awards ceremony. These are the awards that we will be going through today and see who receives these prestigious awards at the first annual Locked on Longhorns Longhorn Awards ceremony. Offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. Most disappointing moment of the season. Most exciting moment of the season. Offensive newcomer, transfer or freshman. Defensive newcomer, transfer or freshman. Biggest what if moment of the season. Coach of the year, exclusive to the Texas staff. Biggest recruiting win and with. That's a two part win. And then the player that left the most to be desired this season on the first annual Longhorn Awards from Locked On Longhorn. So without further ado, George, let's start with award number one. Who was your offensive player of the year for the 2022 Texas Longhorns? Okay, well, uh, this is a pretty easy one to answer. Obviously, you got Bijan. Uh, that should be unanimous. 100 out of 100 people should vote for him as that person. However, I'm going to go in a different direction because that's just too obvious, so we'll make it a little fun here. I'm going to go JT Sanders. Uh, going into the season, there was a lot of stuff, uh, you know, in the in the chat rooms and the, you know, what have yous of JT Sanders. He can't block. He's not really putting his heart out there. Blah, 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 blah. D- dude balled out all year. Um, he was a, a steady constant on third down. He showed that he can really hold up in the in the run game as a blocker. I mean, he's going to he is really, you know, he made a name for himself this year. Um, I think, and then just going into next year, it, it would be shocking to me if he wasn't a day one, maybe day two pick. But I, I got to go, JT Sanders, man, because he just he he played so well uh, this year. Yeah, I was prepared to go Roshan Johnson, you know, but I can't let Bijan Robinson get, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Snubbed twice from Offensive Player of the Year. The Big Twelve snubbed him and gave it to Max Duggan, and George snubbed him and gave it to JT Sanders. So I got to go with the Doak Walker Award winner here, right? Bijan Robinson. This Texas team was undefeated this year when they had more rushing attempts than passing attempts. And, of course, the biggest reason for that was B. John Robinson should be a day one pick in the NFL draft on the Mount Rushmore of Texas running backs. What he did this year in the passing game and, of course, in the running game, uh, especially Kansas breaking his single game record for rushing yards and touchdowns. He was just amazing this year, game in and game out. Would have liked to see some bigger performances in the biggest moments. Didn't play against Washington, struggled against Alabama and TCU. But B. John Robinson was B. John Robinson this year. He was the best running back in the country. That is confirmed by him winning the Doak Walker Award. So I was going to say Roshan and mention his leadership and, you know, his ability to have production behind the Doak Walker Award winner. But like I said, I can't let B. John get snubbed twice. The Big 12 already did it. And then George did it on the podcast. So B. John Robinson is my offensive player of the year. On on the offense, he he, he would ever see this. B. John, with all due respect, I was just trying to throw some some other names in there, man, because it was just too obvious. Uh, he, he is, uh, probably my favorite Longhorn, uh, since I've, you know, gotten older, become a real fan of the team and watching him. It, it, the dude's just the best person, a fantastic running back. It, he's number one, obviously, but yeah, I feel you, man. He's, he's the man. 
It's too late. The deal is done and the cake has been baked. George, who is your defensive player of the year for the 2022 Texas Longhorns? Uh, I'm going to go Ryan Watts. Uh, I just – I really, really felt like he – it was it was very apparent when he was not there. Um, I, I don't think – if you ask me who the best player, I would probably say Jalen Ford. Uh, if you're asking me who was – when that person was not in the lineup, who – who showed their absence the most, it would have to be Ryan Watts. Um, he was fantastic every moment that he played, uh, shutting down number one receivers time and time again. Uh, great in the run game, fantastic tackler, long athletic cornerback who can really get it done. So I'm going to go Ryan Watts. Yeah, once again, he's just making this easy for me. I had prepared to come in and say Keandre Coburn because I thought that he would say Jalen Ford, but I have to go with Jalen Ford once again. I'm not going to let my brothers get snubbed twice. He got snubbed as the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, and now George has snubbed him on this podcast. He has to be on the, the first annual Locked On Longhorns Longhorn Award Ceremony. He has to be the Defensive Player of the Year. Over 100 tackles, uh, I think three or four forced fumbles multiple interceptions, multiple fumble recoveries, had a game-winning fumble recovery against Kansas State, I believe, um, which at that time, Texas still controlled their own destiny to get to the Big 12 championship. Um, he really was the biggest reason that this defense made a complete 180 from last year. We came into the year thinking that it would be on the shoulders of a linebacker, right? But we thought it would be DeMarvion Overshawn. Jalen Ford definitely stepped up into that role and looked like one of the best linebackers in the country. So like yeah. I said, with Bijan... <laughs> I can't let my brother get snubbed twice. You know what I'm saying? So my pick is Jalen Ford, Big 12 defense player. Let me just say for the listeners out there, man, I wanted to come in and maybe provide some perspective to the people who weren't uh, Jalen Ford, Bijan, number one, number two. Like it's obviously, but, you know, just showing some love to some guys who I think really performed well, who weren't. Yeah, the Jalen Ford, I don't even want to talk about that, man. Like him getting snubbed for a dude who didn't have a sack for like the last six weeks of the, six weeks of the season or whatever it was. Like it's incomprehensible that that was the case. But I, I just – I thought Ryan Watts came in and really, you know, showed his stuff and, and was one of, if not the biggest additions for this coaching staff last year. No, definitely a, a key player. And I still want to give Keandre Coburn his flowers because when Keandre Coburn and Tamandre Sweat were on – this is one of the best run defenses in the Big 12 and one of the best run defenses in the country. I think top 40 in rush defense period and then top 30 um, in yards per carry allowed. So shout out to Keandre Coburn on that front as well. Most disappointing moment of the season for you. Most disappointing game or moment of the season for you, George. So I'm going to throw in a, a quick 1A and then my answer. 1A would be Bama um, only because the team you know, played their tails off. They're one point away. Like, I really thought that they were the better team in that game, and they lost by one point. So, from a fan standpoint, that was disappointing. Now, from a I'm pissed off, this is ridiculous standpoint, I'm going to say Texas Tech. Um, I, I just – I mean, that team was I, – I, w- I would call them average. I think that's fair. And what I, I, I'm, I, I have not looked at stats, but if I remember correctly, they went something like 8 of 11 on fourth down or some ridiculous number like that. That was my moment where I was like, you've got to, you've got to be kidding me, man. Like, it's just, it, you know, teams going for it on fourth and 17 and getting it on a penalty or some ridiculous, you know, like dudes wide open. That, for me, like, of all the moments this season where I was like, wow, I'm, I'm truly annoyed, that would be number one, would be Texas Tech. 
Yeah, I'm going to have a lot to say on the Alabama game when we get to the biggest what-if moment of the year. I got a few of them uh, from that game. From the most disappointing moment of the season for me is TCU, right? Especially what we just saw in the national championship game where Georgia blitzed them 65-7. to But like I said, at that point, you know, after losing to Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, like George just mentioned, somehow going into the TCU game, Texas still controlled their own destiny to get to the Big 12 championship. Anthony Hill had just decommitted from Texas A&M. He was on the sidelines. I had drove all the way from Houston to Austin for the game. I was sitting in 40-degree weather. TCU was undefeated, but a lot of people still felt like it was a fluke. I thought that Sark was going to get his signature win that night. I thought that the Longhorns were going to beat TCU, who I think was number four in the country at that time, get a top-five win in DKR for the first time since 2000. I thought Anthony Hill was going to commit on the spot when they won. I just really thought that that was going to be the day that Steve Sarkeesian validated himself as the right hire for the University of Texas. And instead, we went out there and did not score an offensive touchdown all day against the TCU Horn Frogs. So that had to be the biggest disappointing moment of the season for me. I walked out of DKR that day feeling like our season was over because I knew we weren't making the Big 12 championship I, I remember. Game. I, I was texting you. I remember. Yeah. yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and literally, like I said, I, I felt like that was the moment for Texas to prove that we were back on the right track. And to go out there with an offensive head coach and all that skill talent with B. John Robinson – and not score an offensive touchdown, that killed me. A quick word from Bet Online, and then we're getting to the most exciting moment of the season in our offensive and defensive newcomers. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college ball season to basketball, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, George. The next one we have is the most exciting moment of the 2020 season for you. 2022 season for you, excuse me. Oh, it was OU, no doubt. 49 nothing, dog. Like it's it's Oklahoma. Like that was I, I whether or not they had their starting quarterback, they didn't have the starting quarterback. I don't really care. Um, I mean, we've gone to that game with backups and we've kept it close. They've come into that game with backups and kept it close. 49 to nothing is incomprehensible for that rivalry. It just doesn't happen. Uh, I, I think the last, it was the biggest win since like 2003 or four. It, you know, it's been two decades since something like that happened. Watching that happen and I live in North Carolina now, but at the time I lived in Oklahoma watching that with a group of OU fans. I almost felt bad for them, you know, because I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, I, I'm i having fun watching this. But like at the same time, I mean, this is like a massacre. Like we're killing y'all. Defense stepped up, just shut them down completely in every facet. Offense was scoring at will. I think we probably could have won like 65 to nothing if Sark had, you know, been a jerk like I am because I would have kept everybody in there till the last second of the game. But um, that was my most exciting moment just from, you know, watching the games. It'd probably owe you. Yeah, Oklahoma was fun for sure, but I didn't enjoy the game because I, you know, every Red River is always close. Like you would expect it to be a, a close game. And that was just dominance from the beginning. Also, Oklahoma ended up under 500. So it takes a little bit away from the win. And they had running backs, tight ends, and even a punter throwing passes. So it's like, you know, I don't yeah. even know how much they really tried to win that game. I'm a little biased because I was in person, but. Most people in DKR in history, that first quarter against Alabama, I don't care what nobody said, the rest of the game sucked, you know what I'm saying, especially when we lost. But that first quarter against Alabama where Quinn Ewers came out there dealing and, and was throwing deep to Xavier Worthy, and it, it looked when we first, like, really 
kind of got that like sense like, oh, we're about to compete with Alabama today and not only compete, but we have a chance to win. That first quarter against Alabama in DKR was electric. Like I said, I was in person, so I'm a little biased, but that definitely was the the highlight moment of the season for me. And then the what ifs, which we'll get into, came a little Dude, bit later. I, I, I cannot. Yeah, like that first quarter, man, that that first drive, Quinn, I was just like, oh, my God, we're going to go undefeated. We're never going to lose yeah. another game again. Yeah, no, I feel you. And everybody was on the Kool-Aid after that. Even when we lost, people started talking about, can we still make the playoffs? Texas is a top five team. So, yeah, that first quarter was special for sure. Offensive newcomer to the Longhorns this year, transfer or true freshman? Oh, Kelvin Banks. Easy. Uh, that's a that's a franchise left tackle. Um, he will be in Austin for the shortest, shortest amount of time possible. I can guarantee you that. He will be he will be a top five draft pick if he can stay healthy. Uh, that's a you know you you talk about your Panesuels guys like that who just come in. Uh, it's obvious the immediate impact. There was not a whole lot of help that he received as far as chipping tight. It, like dude was out there. I mean, you, you talked about the Alabama game. Uh, he pretty much owned Will Anderson every time that they lined up against each other with no help. Uh, I, I got to go Kelvin Banks, man. I, the dude was incredibly impressive this year. Um, he's a freak. And, yeah, like I said, uh, enjoy him while he is here, Texas, you know, Longhorn Nation, because it ain't going to be any longer than what it can be. <laughs> yeah, so the only other, I think, viable answer you could put here is Quinn Ewers. <laughs> and I don't yeah. even think that Quinn Ewers is the right answer. I got to go with Kelvin Banks here. Like you said, second game as a true freshman, you neutralized for the most part Will Anderson, right? And had Will Anderson frustrated, I think Will Anderson had two or three penalties himself, right? So to come in and do that, like you said, I mean, he looks like an NFL left tackle already. After his third year of eligibility, he's likely going to be a first-round pick, right? Might yeah, be the no, first. No, his, what, second second game? As yeah, literally the second player? second game of his career. And first full game of his career. Yeah, he holds Will Anderson in check, who should have won the Heisman last year. No disrespect to Bryce Young, but Will Anderson should have won the Heisman. And for Kelvin Banks to come in in his second game ever and more than hold his own against Will Anderson, yeah, Yeah, he's the one for sure. To to not only win every rep, but also get him so pissed off that he's like out there committing penalties left and right. Like, dude's the truth. And like I said, Longhorn Nation, enjoy him while he is here because it will not be any longer than what it needs to be. All right, your defensive newcomer of the year can be a transfer or a true freshman. Um, I'm going to say uh, our boy Tucker Dorsey, man. Like, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that he made the biggest impact uh, as far as freshman. I, I already mentioned Ryan Watts earlier, but I thought he stepped in, and every time he was on the field, I felt like um, he was solid in run fits. Uh, he was, he was, it, you know, at least passable in coverage. Uh, and I know you could probably put a bunch of people in here, but he came from a very small school. Uh, you know, to transfer to to big boy football at Texas. And I, I, I personally, I'm not a film guru by any means, but when I watched him play, I was never like, oh, that was JTD's fault. Like, I just, I, I felt he played well. He fit in well. Um, and uh, for, for what it was, like, newcomer of the year, like, I just, I feel like he really held his own and, and played very well this season. Yeah, I like the DTD answer. I'm going to go Ryan Watts. Um, I think everything. He came in as a transfer from Ohio State and solidified that corner position outside of Deshaun Jameson. I think he was one of the best run defending corners in the country this year. And like you said, when he wasn't there, um, we missed him. And I think the not coming on him into the season was, okay. he's big and physical, 
but can he handle corners with speed? And I think we saw his ability to do that this year as well. I think he was really good and an asset to the Longhorns. One of the biggest reasons this defense did a 180. Honorable mention, Terrence Brooks came on really late in the season, true freshman at corner. Excited to see what he does the next two years at the 40 Acres. And then I'm going to give some love to Justice Finkley. I think he played in all 12 games damn near. Um, It was a regular part of the rotation at Ed. So I'm going to give Justice Finkley some love there. The biggest what if moment of the season for you, George. So uh, I have a feeling you're going to talk about Bama because you've mentioned it a few times. So what I'm going to say is I'm going to do a combo of Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Baylor. Um, That's a combo because uh, we we should have won all three of those games. Uh, We were winning. um, We beat Baylor. What'd you say? I said we beat Baylor. You said oh, you said Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Baylor. Oh, I, I meant Bama. Sorry, Bama. Okay, gotcha. My, my bad. <laughs> no, uh, I meant I meant Bama. So I'm I'm, re- I'm reading my notes over here to the left. Yeah, no, I just uh, I felt if I could do a combo of those three, I'll focus on Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Like you're winning both of those games, you drop them. That sucks. Bama, you come out there, hair on fire really competing uh, at a very in- in- incredible – that was probably the most I've ever seen the Texas team compete uh, in the last, I don't know, six to eight years uh, with a team of that quality. Uh, you lose that game, and then, you know, you proceed to drop two that you were up, which was kind of a carryover from from last year, um, you know, into this season where it's like we're winning the game and we drop it. So I'm going to go a combo of those. Uh, I know you're going to – talk more about Bama but uh you know just there's a a myriad of moments this season that you could look at yeah so I'm definitely going to the Bama game and not only amongst Longhorn fans I think this was one of the biggest what ifs of the season right in terms of college football period what happens in the Texas Alabama game if uh, I almost said Colt McCoy, right? Don't Same do thing. It. What happens <laughs> if Quinn Ewers does not get hurt in the Alabama game right I'm not gonna sit here and say they would have won but we will never know what that game would have looked like if Quinn Ewers finished that game, right? And based on what he did in the first quarter with over 130 passing yards just in the first quarter, it looked like he was going to have his legacy game that day against Alabama. But there's also two specific moments in that game, really three, that I think affected the outcome. We remember the big 45-yard pass to Xavier Worthy that he caught, but I think we forget about the touchdown he dropped before that. And so they didn't get – I I can't remember if they got any points on their first drive, but they definitely didn't score a touchdown. If they did, they got three. But Xavier Worthy dropped a touchdown on the first drive. We lose by one point. That's a four-point swing. Then Hudson Carr comes in the game. The last drive before halftime, there's like a little speed out where I've showed it on here before, where Xavier Worthy cuts twice. Hudson Carr throws the ball too late. He catches it out of bounds, right? So instead of seven, we have to try for three for a field goal. And then the field goal gets blocked. You talked about, you know, Will Anderson not making plays in that game. They probably made one of the biggest plays blocking this field goal. So we don't get any points, even though we're on the like three or four yard line right before halftime. We don't get any points against Alabama. We had a chance to get seven. Hudson Carr throws the ball late. We had a chance to get three. The ball gets tipped by Will Anderson. We get zero in a game that we lost by one point. So the biggest what ifs for me were what if Quinn Ewers played? For the full game against Alabama, what if Xavier Worthy catches that touchdown? What if Hudson Carr doesn't throw that ball as late as he did? And what if Will Anderson doesn't block the kick going into halftime? I think if any one of those four things happen, we may be having a different conversation about Texas beating Bama this year. So uh, definitely was a big deal. You got anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I mean, if you remember that Bama game, I, I you had mentioned uh, 
the first I I think it was the second drive. It could have been the first, but I think it was the second. I think we forced them a three and out. They got the ball back. And then uh they they went for like 85 yards on a on a jet sweep uh to uh, what's his name? Number one. Super McClellan. No, it wasn't Gibbs, it was McClellan. They they scored it, they had a field goal on their first drive for sure. Okay. And then I think we so, came back and matched the field goal. Yeah, I think and you're then, right. But, but like but the, all, the drive that the drive that Xavier Worthy dropped a touchdown on, I know we didn't score a touchdown on that yeah, drive for so sure. Like I mean, you can look at that as a what if too, because like I, I if you look well, that's at that's why I game, mentioned it. Yeah. I mean he dropped yeah, the touchdown. Like, yeah, there's like, three dudes like right there in the hole, and it's like you're this close. Uh for people who are listening, uh, I'm doing the inch. Uh you you're so close to making a tackle on a big I mean, what if you make a tackle there? Who says they get third down and maybe we get the ball back? Like who knows? Um that yeah. that game it will haunt me uh, almost as much as uh, Colt McCoy getting hurt in the national championship because I, I really did think that that day we were the better team. And I'm I'm glad I, before we get into our next ad break, a uh, quick word from Bill Bar. I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot maybe another huge what if moment from that season, and that's if if Ryan Watts who blitzed on Bryce Young if he actually gets Bryce Young to the ground, another that's moment that definitely uh, probably would have given the Longhorns a win. A uh, quick word from Built Bar, and then we're going into the coach of the year, the biggest recruiting win in WIF, and lastly, the player that left the most to be desired this year. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you have to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. And if you're like me, you want to eat healthier as well. You have to try Built Bar because Built Bar is healthy and tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. And what makes Built Bar so good is they have – Amazing flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, 100% real chocolate. On top of that, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking around ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. So head to Built.com right now or Walmart or Sam's Club to get your Built Bars today. All right, George, coach of the year on the Texas staff specifically. Who gets that award from you? John, let's switch it up. You tell me yours because I got three here. Um, so I, I'm going I'm to go off of what you say. All right. I was I was about to pivot. I, I was ready to pivot off of his answer, but I'm going to give mine first. I think it has to be Pete Kukowski, right? We came into the, the year saying that if this defense can just be good enough to supplement the offense, this Texas team can do something really special. And we saw in the Alabama game, the TCU game, the Oklahoma – well, not the Oklahoma game. That was a good – you know, but definitely in the TCU game and the Alabama game, the defense showed up and the offense didn't, right? And so the to be able to make the turnaround, even though he did it at Washington and he did it at Boise State, to see him do it at Texas again in his second year, making a huge jump from the 100th overall defense to I didn't see where we ended up at, but it was better than 100. right? So I have to give that to Pete Kukowski. And then I was going to let you go first. I was planning on you saying Pete Kukowski, so I had a pivot – in place and so I'm just going to give him his flowers I got to give Jeff Choate his flowers for the development of Jalen Ford I thought that DeMar being overshone he didn't have the season I thought he would have but he still had a really good season you mentioned DTD earlier he made some plays at times but to be able to bring in the recruiting class that he brought in Anthony Hill, Leona LaFowle, Samaje Burrell, Darion Gallette, a hybrid player, and now Jelani McDonald, a hybrid player as well some really good pieces in that linebacker room you have to give Jeff Choate the linebacker coach credit for that yeah, and, and that's why I said you go first because I had a feeling you would say PK. So I'm going to go Kyle Flood. Um, not not yeah. just not just because of the phenomenal turnaround that we saw with an incredibly young offensive line, but I would say more so recruiting. Um, 
I mean, I looked the other day at like the early enrollees just for this year, uh, a couple with last year. I mean, these dudes average something like 340 pounds a dude, like, uh, which is something that I think, you know, from the time where Texas was Texas to now where we're at, where we can taste it, we're almost back. Like, you can feel it. We're not there yet, but we're coming. That is the biggest turnaround for me, uh, just watching these dudes recruit Kyle Flood specifically because, I, you know, he he's done it everywhere he's been. Uh, he's coaching the NFL. He's coached at major college football programs in the past. And now to come here and recruit and not only just recruit them, but to come in. And, I mean, it, people don't realize Kelvin Banks was not an early enrollee last year. Like, dude came in at normal time and came in and performed at the level that he is performing at now with very limited reps at the college level. Um, and it just really, really excites me for the future of what that can look like because they're, they're steady. You got your Cedric Baxters. You've already got Jaden blue, you got Jonathan Brooks. Like you've got ball carriers. You've got a quarterback. You got another one who just arrived on campus. I don't know if people heard Arch Manning. But you got to protect these guys. Um, you got to block for them. And I would say that would be my most impressive coach, just not even just from the on-field result, but just the, the, the recruiting prowess to bring in some of these guys. Yeah, that's a good segue. Your biggest recruiting win and whiff this season in the 2023 cycle. Uh, win, um, I mean, I got I to gotta give him props again, man. I, I'm sorry, but it's Kelvin Banks. Um, I, I really think no, that 2023, that is- the 2023 cycle, not 2022. So Arch's class. Oh, well, it's, it's Arch. Sorry. I, I, I took, I took notes on 2022, but I, that's easy. Uh, I go, I go Arch Manning, um, you know, okay. whether or not he, he becomes a, a Manning or, or what he's got the last name. Um, that's wh- whoever landed Arch Manning uh, was going to be, you know, in a situation where you're set up for success uh, just based on the last name alone. I, I think having him on campus will not only rise the level of recruiting for people who want to play with him, uh, but will uh, rise the level of accountability for people who are like, well, he's here. I got to, I got to play better. Yeah. Uh, D- what, what about you? You go win. Cause let me think of a whiff. Cause I went 2022. <laughs> okay. So I'll, I'll give you my, my biggest recruiting win and with my biggest recruiting win is Sadir Mitchell surprisingly. And of course you talked about arts Manning for all of those reasons. I'm going to say Sadir Mitchell because we watched Georgia in that national championship game, right? To beat anybody out, to beat Georgia out for a defensive prospect in 2022 right now after what we just saw is amazing, right? And Sadir Mitchell is that type of big boy up front that allows Georgia to do what they do defensively, right? To win the line of scrimmage in almost every game that they play. So for Texas to go into a recruit's house in New Jersey, and take him away from the Georgia Bulldogs based on what we're seeing from that defense and what they just did to TCU, that has to be the biggest recruiting win of the year. Plus, I think he's a sneaky leader. I think he's going to be one of the biggest leaders in this class. And he comes from good pedigree, right? He comes from a high school team that literally never loses. I don't think they lost a football game in the last two years. I might have to check up on that. But they haven't lost a lot of of football games over the last two years. So, dear Mitchell, a big reason for that. I'm going to say biggest recruiting with, even though I don't think we ever really had a chance, was David Hicks, right? Going back to Georgia, when you just look at the dogs they have on that defensive line, when you look at the dogs that Alabama has on that defensive line, that's where Texas is trying to get to eventually. And so recruiting these top 150 edges and defensive linemen, that's cool. But these schools that are winning national championships, they're bringing in top 20, top 10, top 15, top five overall type edge players. And that's the type of player that David Hicks is, just a really dominant defensive line player. I think he's going to be really good at Texas A&M. 
And those are the type of players you win national championships with. A player like that in the state of Texas, I don't think we had a chance with them. But the fact that we didn't have a chance with them speaks volumes. Texas is going to have to start getting those David Hicks type prospects if they want to break through this ceiling that they've been through and I guess been in in the last 10 years. So do you have a whiff now for us for the 2023 cycle? Uh, I mean, like I said, man, I I did this on 2022, but uh, just based on my knowledge of the recruiting class for 2023 and and maybe some players we missed out on, I would, I would probably go Jalen Hale. Um, That's a really good one. That's a really good one. That's a, that's a very, I mean, to complement the speed that we already have, uh, you know, on the outside at receiver, um, you know, it's this constant cycle of like, in state, out of state, are they leaving? Are they staying? Uh, Jalen Hale, I think he was confirmed sub ten two on the on the hundred, and he just you know you're you're talking about a, a really fast player who I, I I believe is probably one of the next you know big playmakers there at Bama. Um, you know, it, it, it based on my knowledge of, of this recruiting class and who we missed, I, I usually focus on who we got, um, but just going off of players who we may have missed, I probably go Jalen Hale. That's a really big one. The last award we are giving out today on the first annual Locked On Longhorns Longhorn Award Ceremony, the player that left the most to be desired this year. Oh, man. Um, I, I guess I got to go Xavier Worthy. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't know. I, I thought coming into this season, man, he was going to – after watching his freshman year, um, I, I think Ajay Hall may, may have a – slight mention here uh for me but uh just based on what we saw freshman year um and 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 to come into this season and it it wasn't like he had a bad year uh statistically speaking uh there were moments where he he definitely showed uh, who he was as a playmaker as a player um but to it was it was more the the moments where he didn't show up not necessarily the moments that he did uh because i felt like there was a couple huge plays in the alamo bowl alone uh, that shifted the game. They were literally his fault. Uh, you're, you're talking dimes where, you know, he's running out with the ball placed in basically perfect position that he drops. Um, and we, we saw that in a couple big moments this year where it was solid throws, uh, you know, a, a, a very solid play call by Coach Sark. And he he just left a lot on the table, man. Um, so I got to go. I got to go X-Man. Yeah, I mean. You regress in every statistical category, especially after having such a great freshman season. I think Xavier Worthy is the, uh, you know, the most obvious candidate right there, especially with the off the field stuff, the USC rumors, the deleting the Instagram pictures every other day. Right. It's just been a, a hell of a season with Xavier Worthy. This is my first time mentioning him on the podcast all season, and I didn't want to do it, but I have to do it. The player that left the most to be desired for me this year is Cole Hudson. I'm sorry. He was an early enrollee at the guard position. We talked about what Kelvin Banks was able to come in and do as a true freshman. Obviously, Kelvin Banks is a different breed. But I just thought that Cole Hudson would come in right away, somebody who had over 100 pancakes his senior season, right? I thought he would come in right away and be one of the best young offensive linemen in the country. And I just think the interior offensive line as a whole left a lot to be desired this year. I mean, there were so many times where even with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, we couldn't get anything in the, going in the run game because of that interior offensive line. But just being frank and just keeping it 100, there were a lot of times this season where Cole Hudson just got whipped, right? Like He just got whooped and bullied in the trenches. And so I expected a lot more from Cole Hudson this season. I'm hoping that, you know, he still can get that development. And over the next two years, he can turn into that player. 
at the 40 acres. But I mean, it was like three, four games in and people were calling for DJ Campbell. That's how bad Cole Hudson was. And I don't think he really got that much better throughout the season. So I expected a lot from Cole Hudson this year and didn't see much at all from him at that right guard position. So he's definitely my player that left a lot to be desired this season. Yeah, no, I mean, I would say looking at the line, the, the interior was definitely the, the weakest part. Um, you know, you, uh, fortunately, you had like probably the two best running backs in the country who were able to break tackles. I think statistically, Bijan was the best, and Roshan, if not second best, was not very far behind. And I think we saw a little bit of that rear its head in the bowl game um, where dudes were getting hit. And it's like, oh, these guys can't break tackles six yards behind where we snapped the ball uh, like the other guys can. So uh, I, I, I would say that's a fair pick. Yes, thank you for tuning in to our first annual Locked On Longhorns Longhorn Award Ceremony. Excuse me, we'll be doing this every year, about two weeks removed from the season. Hook them and peace.